You're listening to PetLifeRadio.com. You've had a long day at work, and you can't wait to just get home, take off your shoes, plop yourself down in your favorite chair, and relax. You walk up to your tranquil residential home and your neatly manicured lawn in your quiet suburban neighborhood, put the key in the lock, open the door, and... Yes, the pets have gone wild! What were you thinking? Welcome to the show about everything you always wanted to know about exotic pets. Where to get them, what to feed them, and how to care for them. You'll even find out why some people live with a monkey. Now, here's your host, exotic pet expert and author, Bob Tart. Hey, Bob, what were you thinking? Hi, this is Bob Tart, author of the books Enslaved by Ducks and Fall Weather. And I am working on a book about our six cats called The Funnel of Happiness. I'm doing a one-man or one-half-a-man show this week. I'm a little bit diminished in power and health. I've never had much power and uh, have had some health. Uh, I had very good intentions of keeping up the pace of the shows that I've been doing, but... I ended up getting sick a little while ago. I'm doing better now, but I got this insidious illness called shingles. I hope you'll bear with me if I talk about that and some other things a little bit. This is this is sort of a catch-up show. Uh, I am going to talk about a new bird that we got, so I will keep on the subject of exotic pets. But I think anyone who has put up with this show and listened to it off and on over the years or over the year and a half, has discovered by now that oftentimes it's almost more of a podcast blog about things that are going on in my life. So anyway, uh, not too long ago I had uh, my monthly chiropractic exam, and while my chiropractor was doing my neck, I didn't feel like I was really relaxed, and there was this kind of pain when he did my neck adjustment. I didn't think a whole lot about it, but by the next day I started getting headache. That was a Thursday. And then by Friday, the, the headache was, was really quite bad, although strangely enough, it was moving around a little bit, and I was also getting some pains in my teeth. But I decided that it had to be because of the what I thought was a bad neck adjustment. So I went back to the chiropractor and explained what had happened, and he was quite chagrined by the whole thing and was good enough to very carefully stretch my neck this way and that and uh, massage it and then very meticulously do another adjustment and he said he would call over the weekend or you know by Monday or so to see if I was any better and for me to call him if I needed anything. Saturday things got a little bit weird because not only did I get these uh, excruciating sharp jabs of pain in my head but they were also in my left ear in the teeth on the left side of my head and I started getting these disgusting sores on the left side of my face. By Friday I I really was a mess, didn't sleep much. I felt as if someone had put a metal bucket over my head and at intervals of 20 seconds, maybe 30 seconds, would take a metal spoon and hit the bucket here and there on the left-hand side. Somehow, 
I remembered the fact that when I was in my high school or college days, which believe me is many, 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 many years ago, I remembered that my mom had this uh, virus called shingles and also a friend of the family, uh, Bob Schaefer. He had had it too. Shingles is an inflammation or a virus that inflames the ganglia, the, the nerve endings. For some reason, it stays on one side of the body. So if you get pains and the ulcers on one side of your body, like on the left side, they don't move to the right and vice versa. It's very weird. People get the sores in different places and the pains, but the, the people I know have gotten them on their face. And believe me, it's not a pretty sight. So I happened to think of that, and I, I looked up shingles on the web on uh, the following Sunday, figured that's what I had. It was really, really pretty terrible by the time I went to the doctor on Monday. She gave me a bunch of prednisone, which is a steroid that not only reduces the inflammation, but apparently with shingles, if you don't take something like prednisone, there's a possibility that even after the disease has run its course, and I guess we can call it a disease, I guess it may be just an illness, but if I hadn't mentioned it before, it's a version of chickenpox that uh, adults, mainly over 50, like me, are prone to get if they had chickenpox as a youngster and things like having a lowered immune system or stress, and I've had a lot of stress lately on my job, even though I only work half a day, um, things like that can uh, spark it. So anyway, if you don't take the steroid, even after the illness runs its course, you can still be beset with the pains for the rest of your life, and, and I didn't want that. So the other concern was that the um, sores were kind of moving up toward my eye, and if they get into your eye, you're in, you're in pretty bad trouble. The uh, upshot is, though, that uh, it's a week later, and uh, I'm doing quite a bit better. I actually stayed home from work for the entire week, and I don't remember any time in my life when I've stayed home from work for an entire week. It just doesn't happen. A few years ago, I had this real nasty lung inflammation that went on for six months, and I was down to 42% lung capacity, and I still hobbled into work every day. But part of this was that I just look so frightening that I, I didn't feel I could be out in public at all. Let me talk a little bit about uh, something that happened before I got ill, since we've talked about illness enough, I, uh, Linda and I got a new bird. We actually got two of them. And you might hear a few sharp, unfamiliar cheeps in the background. We got a lineolated parakeet named Hoshi. Hi, Hosh. And along with Hoshi, we got a budgie, which is the name for a standard parakeet. And the budgie came to us named Chio, but uh, Linda wanted to rename Chio Georgie. And Georgie sounds a bit like Chio. The fun thing about Georgie is that even though Georgie is not a Linny, he speaks Linny. So we've got one lineolated parakeet that makes the 
sharp linny parakeet chirp and we have Georgie who is his cage mate and who is also his steadfast friend and Georgie makes the same sound and, and it's quite entertaining. We have been watching the birds and being careful about how we integrate them with our little flock here. We have an out of cage time every afternoon. We open the cages and our dove Howard comes out. Howard is, I think, 18, maybe 19 by now. Our much younger dove Otis comes out and our budgy Harvey comes out and they all fly around and chase each other around the room. I wasn't sure I wanted Hoshi and Georgie chased because that's what would happen because the doves love to chase one another. You have to be made of fairly strong stuff to have fun with that. Uh, Harvey, our parakeet, does have fun with that. But we've decided not to let Hoshi and Georgie out of the cage until we're sitting down and eating dinner. Then we open it and, and they come out. At that time, we've put the doves away. Georgie and Harvey, though, are out together, the two parakeets, the two budgies. And they really enjoy each other's company and, and get along fine. And I think uh, I haven't noticed Hoshi interacting yet too much with Harvey. But as I said, Hoshi and Georgie get along just fine. I don't know too much about Linnies. Maybe somebody who is listening to the show who keeps Linnies would like to be on and talk about them. Judging from Hoshi, Linnies are just, just wonderful birds. I've had a couple of friends who've had these birds before. And I know, um, well, actually, uh, a secretary at the chiropractic office that Linda used to go to had a Linny, and she had she loved the bird, but she had complained that little Stewie was a very bitey bird and, and bit her quite a bit. Linda also had uh, a friend that she used to do house cleaning for, and he had a Linny that was extremely active. We went over once and saw the bird, and the whole time we were there, he was just climbing all over the cage and playing with toys, and um, it uh, tired me out just to watch him. He was so active. But Hoshi, uh, I, I'm really impressed by, uh, he's a very, very mild and uh, rather slow-moving bird. I don't know if it's just because he's not quite used to us, or he's a little up there in years. I think he's five or six years old. I'll, I'll tell you how we got him in a minute but he has this kind of deliberate way of moving and when he eats he reminds me a little bit of a reptile he will sit on his perch and just kind of slowly stretch out his neck and lower his head into the dish and just kind of very slowly rather like a galapagos turtle munching on a head of lettuce he will just very slowly go at his food enthusiastically but slowly i believe that linnies in nature in the wild in central america that the natural color is green barred green i think you would say because lineulated i, I take it that means having lines or barred these birds are also called barred parakeets. They have been bred in different colors. Hoshi is quite a nice dark powder blue in color. Looks a little bit 
like a small parrot. He's smaller than a lovebird. A little smaller than a parakeet if you count the fact that he has a blunt tail rather than a long tail. And he doesn't have a head that's as large as a parakeet, but he has a parakeet's head, but he has a larger beak. Hoshi came to us in a feather-picked condition, and I guess he's going to stay that way. The woman who gave him to us, she's a very responsible bird owner, but um, she's in her 20s and is trying for a career, and these days with the economy being what it is, she has to set out different places trying to find something in the uh, zoological field, and she takes various internships, and she is excitingly off to the East Coast to um, a wildlife refuge on Fire Island off Long Island. She's going to participate in a study of a shorebird, a kind of sandpiper, I believe. Uh, no, it's a kind of plover called a, a piping plover or piping plover. If it's not a downright uh, endangered bird, it's, uh, it's close to it. So there's a study going on, on there, and she's going to participate in that. She had left once before to work, well, actually a couple times, uh, She's gone to different parts of the country for internships. So Hoshi and her mate at another point in time lived with somebody else. And during that time, apparently Hoshi's mate feather-picked Hoshi quite badly. So my comparing Hoshi to a reptile is even more accurate uh, if you see him. I'll try and post a picture on the Pet Life Radio website because with his bald <laughs> uh, baldness on top of his head and also on parts of his neck. It makes him even even more lizard-like. But he's a very sweet bird. He just loves people. He will, uh, even when he didn't know me very well, he would sit on my finger. And uh, he, he comes out and loves to eat out of my hand. I just really can't say enough for him. And the little uh, budgie that came with him, Georgie, is also a very nice bird. Not not anywhere near as tame as Hoshi. We have a little bit of trouble getting the budgie back into the cage once uh, he's been flying around. Hoshi, not so much. Hoshi is e easy to catch or simply to lure onto our finger. Uh, let's see if I want to say anything else about Hoshi. I understand he talks a little bit. I, I've heard some mumbling. He loves fruit, so in addition to giving him seed, uh, we'll cut up some grapes. I hear he likes apple. We haven't tried that yet. And uh, he also likes cooked macaroni. He likes scrambled egg. And uh, he seems to like uh, just, just almost about everything that we've given him. So uh, I'll let you know how he does. And uh, the woman who gave him to us is... Um, I told her, you know, not to think that she's lost her friend, that uh, if she does not stay in the New York area and comes back to this area, you know, that she is uh, welcome to have him back again. But uh, if she's unable to do that, well, you know, we're, we're happy to have him in our household. So, okay, that's the first half of our show. We're going to go to a sponsor right now. 
and I'll be back with more of our catch-up episode of What Were You Thinking? What Were You Thinking? We'll be right back after Bob gets the ducks out of his living room. Don't go away. Hey, ready to take a walk? Not just you, but the whole family. It's the 2009 Whisker Walk, Sunday, June 7th from 11 to 3 at the Lancaster Fairground in Lancaster, Massachusetts. Pet owners and animal lovers walk to lend a paw to benefit the animal shelters and pet charities they love. Come see exhibits, demonstrations, educational programs, special attractions, product giveaways, entertainment, auctions, raffles, food, fun, and things for adults and kids to see, do, and buy, both human and pet related. Whisker Walk 2009, a fun day for everyone. For more information, log on to whiskerwalk.org. Welcome to Pet Planet. Here's a copy of Pet Planet Magazine, Florida's most informative and fun pet resource magazine. It features heartwarming stories and informative articles from local and national pet experts. Excellent. Pet Planet Magazine offers Operation Planet Rescue, helping rescued pets find new homes. And it's available at 500 locations in South and Central Florida and 24-7 on the Internet at PetPlanetMagazine.com. If you're out and about with your pet, you may be featured in paparazzi, candid pictures of you and your pet. For up-to-date pet-friendly events, activities, and pet-related services and products, Pet Planet Magazine is your final destination. I shall take this magazine home with me. Back to your home planet? No, to my condo in Boca. Pet Planet Magazine. Check them out at www.petplanetmagazine.com or 352-394-8578. It's out of this world. Here's the story of a lovely lady... Who is bringing up three very lovely gulls? Join us every week on Wings and Things and get a bird's eye view of everything there is to know about pet birds and how to make your frequent flyer a happy camper. Wings and Things. That's the way we became the birdie bunch. Only on PetLifeRadio.com. Let's Talk Pets on PetLifeRadio.com. Okay, ducks are in the pond, rabbits in his hutch, and monkeys... Ow! In my car! Oh, okay, well, I go check my insurance policy. We'll turn you back over to Bob. Hi, welcome back to What Were You Thinking? This is Bob Tart, and I'd like to remind you that if you'd like to be my guest, if you have an exotic pet of some kind, be it a uh, skunk, a ferret, a tarantula... Anything except a dog or cat, although we do talk about dogs and cats at times. Chances are good to exceptional that you will be a guest on the show. Just email me at bob at petliferadio.com. Mention you know, a story or two that you have about your exotic pet, and, and we'll talk. I want to catch up on a couple things. Oh, I want to say something else about Hoshi, and that is about uh, his affectionate nature uh, had not a real great uh, consequence, Uh, not a happy one, I should say. A couple days after we got him, I had him out of the cage, and I was ooing and aahing and uh, fussing over him 
And apparently Linda's African gray parrot, Dusty, did not like that because after I returned Hoshi to the cage, I went over to Dusty's cage and we keep a little towel on top or a sheet on top of Dusty's cage. We keep a towel on top of my African gray parrot, Bella's cage but we keep a sheet folded up. And the reason we have a sheet on top of the cage is so that when the parakeets and doves are flying around, if they happen to land on top of a parrot's cage, and if a parrot is close to the top of the cage, we don't want the little birds to get their toes bit. And it, it has happened before. They have gotten their toes bitten. Not these birds, but other birds. So anyway, all the birds were returned to their cages. And I was at Dusty's cage, kind of absent-mindedly taking the sheet off the top of his cage. Now, Dusty is what you might say a fairly aggressive bird. I, I get along okay with him. I can generally put my fingers in his cage to do things, and we get along. He imitates my voice, but I don't ever try to touch him. Linda can pick him up, but uh, other than that, doesn't really touch him. That's the Linny and the parakeet you hear squealing in the background. So anyway, rather absentmindedly, I reached up, and I started to remove the sheet, and through the bars, Dusty darted his mouth, his beak forward, and bit me. And he bit me quite nicely. This is the first time I've been bitten by Dusty in six, seven, eight years, maybe even longer than that. And, uh, oh, the blood was really flowing. He um, did, did a good job of... Um, tearing my, my finger open. It was just a flap of skin on the side, but it hurt like heck, and I was uh, jumping around and uh, making a big commotion. And here's a reminder, if you have a parrot, uh, try not to do that, because uh, over the next week, I, uh, in addition to the pain in my finger, I had the emotional pain of hearing my outbursts of distress played back to me as if from a tape recorder. Dusty just delighted in imitating my howls of pain, and uh, th that's that's the kind of bird he is. Anyway, uh, I was uh, mad at him for about a week, but uh, being mad at a bird or an animal in our house doesn't mean much. I just uh, didn't pay a lot of attention to him. That, that was the worst he got out of it, and um, now uh, everything is, is back to normal again. My parrot Bella isn't too happy when I pay attention to Hoshi either. It's funny, if I pay attention to some birds, they don't seem to mind. But uh, maybe because Hoshi is quite parrot-like that they feel threatened by attention paid to him. I, I'm not sure what it is. If uh, someone who keeps birds has insights as to why uh, one bird would spark a jealous reaction in another and another bird wouldn't, uh, let me know. It might also have to do with the gender of the bird. Okay, I'm going to catch up on a couple things here. Uh, a few weeks ago, book character Bill Holm and I did a show about crossbills. And if you haven't heard the show and have a half hour of time to waste and don't care if you ever give it back again, I would recommend you listen to it because the punchline to the show is that... Uh, Bill and I drove for five and a half hours round trip to the eastern part of Michigan to see some birds that are called eruptive species of birds that have uh, come south 
for the winter because the food source isn't all it should be in their normal territory up north. And one of the species, when I got back home, was for the first time ever sitting in my very backyard, and it was a pine siskin. So here we drive five and a half hours to see a pine siskin, and for the first time ever, as soon as I walk in the door, Linda points one out on our bird feeder. I have lived in this house since 1988. I've been watching the birds almost that long, although I really didn't know my birds that well for maybe another 10 years. But I assure you, I've never seen a pine siskin before. So that's there has to be a name for this effect where you drive across the country to uh, or <laughs> across the state to see a bird and when you come back you find it. Anyway, a week later, uh, I was a little, a little upset at myself because when I drove to Chelsea to see the crossbills, I never did see a male. I saw the rather duller plumage female, but I wanted to see a bright red male and I never saw it. So about a week later, there was an opportunity, there was a flock of these birds in Ionia, which is about a, about a half hour from here. So I did a round trip drive of about an hour and looked for the flock, and needless to say, I did not see the crossbill. And this is a bird that's even more rare than the pine siskin. So what should happen, but uh, the very next day, I'm at my job and I'm just walking out the door and I happen to look up in the parking lot and there is a red bird sitting on top of a pine tree and it's a very patient bird. It's singing and it sits there singing while I rummage for binoculars in my car and I finally pull out the binoculars and I look and I see the bird and I thought that can't really be a crossbill can it? it uh, wish it would turn around so I could see the wings. Well, it turned around and there was the bird with black wings with the white wing bars. So once again, I drove somewhere and uh, came back only to find in one of my uh, normal habitual spots uh, a bird that I was looking for. If there's a name for this phenomenon, let me know. I, I think of it as priming the pump, that uh, going somewhere and looking for these birds is sort of a priming the sighting pump so that it increases the possibility that I'll, I'll see these birds later. One other thing I want to mention, and that is I had author Kathleen Sherman on probably the last episode. She wrote a couple wonderful Lockett's Meadows books about, uh, you should go to her website, lockettsmeadowsfarm.com and you'll find information about her books. The one that we discuss is called The Long Road Home. She surprised me by mentioning that she had talents as an animal communicator, that she could, in certain ways, under certain circumstances, communicate mentally with her animals. And she offered to look at a photo of our cat, Franny, and tell me a little bit about Franny's life before we found her as a stray cat. So I sent her the photo not expecting much and she sent me a response and it, it was pretty detailed saying that uh, Franny had been owned by a woman who 
lived with a couple other people and that for some reason the woman who had brought Franny home had disappeared. She, she didn't know why. And then the other people in the house, they weren't really attached at all to Franny. And so while they continued to feed Franny, who lived outdoors, Franny started to feel like she needed more than that, more than just being fed. And so she eventually ran away and found her way to us. So it, it was a little more detailed than that, but you hear that, and you know it's it's a good story, and it's uh, as good as any story. I'm open-minded about these things, but what made me more than open-minded is, first of all, she described Franny's personality really well, and I didn't know how she could get that from just the photo. But the other thing she said, she told me, she said, Franny is showing me a yellow and white cat. Does she have a sibling? And then she also mentioned that, according to Franny, this yellow and white cat is a real thorn in her side. That that really made me uh, stand up and take notice because the only cat that Franny does not get along with is our yellow and white cat, Tina. And Tina is indeed a thorn in Franny's side. I've never mentioned this cat before. No pictures on my website, never written about Tina, the yellow and white cat. So, um, and, and the extent, uh, she, she isn't just a mild thorn in Franny's side. Franny was extremely upset when we took Tina in last summer. Franny was so upset that she hid all day for at least, at least a week. For two weeks, she would just sleep rolled up in a ball and not move, had no interactions with me, was very mad. And I think it's because this was a uh, uh, young cat full of energy and Franny just a female, and Franny just thought that uh, she was taking all the attention from her. I'm losing energy right now, <laughs> probably because I'm try still getting over my uh, illness here. So... Anyway, I, I thought that was just astonishing. Thanks so much, Kathleen. And I've been corresponding with Kathleen since then, and she's working on a workbook which will supposedly teach anyone to do this kind of animal communication. And I've been trying it myself, and uh, if I continue to have successes with it, uh, I haven't had anything like Kathleen, but I've had some things that I've learned about Franny which have turned out to predict behavior which she shows to me over the uh, succeeding days. Anyway, if uh, I continue to have successes with it, I will talk about it on a later show. And I think there's an animal communication show elsewhere on Pet Life Radio, too, so it, uh, I'm, I'm going to check it out and uh, get a little more deep into this topic. So that's probably enough rambling for this episode of What Were You Thinking? Thanks so much for tuning in. You might enjoy my books, Enslaved by Ducks in Fall Weather, about our pet birds, rabbits, and cats, and all the pet birds include ducks, geese, hens, all kinds of things. So uh, uh, check those out, and please visit my website, which is very simple, www.bobtart.com, T-A-R-T-E. Thanks so much. Thanks to my long-suffering producer, and we'll see you next time. Bye-bye. Thinking about buying a monkey? How about a ferret or a skunk? Then check out the show that will answer the burning questions, where do you get them? What do you feed them? How do you take care of them? And most of all, what were you thinking? 
with exotic pet expert and author Bob Tart every week on demand from PetLifeRadio.com.